Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Daniel, chapter 3, and John, chapter 4, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Using Music for True Worship. Using Music for True Worship. You'll remember last time in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, 20 years have passed, and Nebuchadnezzar has found pride welling up in his heart, and he builds this golden image. And he puts it out in the plains, and he calls everybody to it, and he says that when you, verse 5, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And we learn how music can be used to bring about great idolatry, and motivate great sinfulness. And now we know that music can be also used to inspire great worship. And with that in mind, I want to move over to John chapter 4. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. John chapter 4. As we are learning from Jesus the importance of worship, the importance of drawing near to him, And so Jesus says in verse 21 of chapter 4 in John's gospel, he says, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The most important thing that we can do on the earth is worship God, the one true God. We were created to worship. We were designed to worship. That's our natural tendency is to worship. And as we learn with Nebuchadnezzar, music is a powerful tool. It moves a person emotionally. It moves a person practically. It moves us with the right tempo and the right song and the right beat and all of that. It moves a person. And that's why I believe God instituted worship through song and through music as a vital part of our relationship with him. I mean, have you ever wondered about worship, especially when it comes to song? I mean, in some point in our Christian lives, we all ask the question, why? Why should I sing? Or how should I sing? Or why do I sing? Or what is worship to begin with? And really, what does God want from me? What is he looking for when it says here that the Father's looking for those that are worshiping him this way, in spirit and in truth, what is he actually looking for? And that's a common question. How should I worship? 
What is God looking for? And then we begin to think of worship in the sense of, what should I do with my hands? How high should I lift them? Should they be in my pocket? Should I go outside? Should I, should I put them straight out to the guys next to me? What, what should I do with my hands? Should I stand? Should I sit? Should I kneel? Should I clap? Maybe I shouldn't clap because I can't keep time. Is there a joyful noise? Should I whistle? Should I hum? And all of these questions are asked. And I believe they're asked for a good reason. We want to do it right. We don't want to worship God wrong. Then there's the when. It's not just the how, but the when. When is a good time to worship? That's a good question. Is it best to worship God in the morning? Should I get up at 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m., 3.30 a.m.? Yes, some of you are going, yes, we should have a 5 a.m. worship service. You lead that. (laughs) That'd be great. How about at midnight? We know in the Bible that some got up very early, but we also know that some worshiped at midnight. That's what Paul and Silas did when they were in prison. They were singing services at the dawn of midnight. Not only is there the how and the when, but there's also the why. Why should I worship? What's the big deal? Especially when we talk about worship in song, in music. This whole thing of singing and clapping and raising my hands, sitting, standing. Why should I? I just want to study the Bible. And many people, they plan their approach and their arrival at church as they figure out the order of service so they can skip the music part. Because you're just really into the Bible. And you want the Bible study. And you want to be fed the Word of God. And that's your goal to learn. But the emphasis is on worship many times is not at all what God's looking for. And how careful we need to be when it comes to what we emphasize in worship. I don't know if you've noticed, but as of late, the emphasis on worship is more outward than it is inward. It's more upon the art form rather than the heart form. And what that's made is it's made people, instead of making them true worshipers, it's made them critics of worship and critics of worship services. People are hung up on how worship looks or how it doesn't look how it sounds and where it comes from, instead of the essence of worship, which is who is being worshipped. That's the emphasis. And you'll hear things, as I've mentioned before, you'll hear things where you might be sitting there and go, you know, I don't like that song. Oh, really? You don't like that song? Write that down and put it in the suggestion box. You don't like that song. Or that instrument was out of tune. Or they missed a word up on the screen. Or it's too loud. Or it's too soft. Or the lights are off. The lights are on. And then you'll leave a worship service speaking to the person that you came with. You know, what do you think about worship today? Well, I give it a six. Six, that's pretty good. I gave it about a five. So together, that's about a five and a half. You know, if that's you, then you've seriously missed the point. You missed the whole point of worship in general. You've missed the whole point in relationship to what God wants to accomplish when we gather together as a church family. God is on stage, not man. We worship to an audience of one. And if in that attitude that we carry sometimes, what if things were turned around and we said, before you walked out, you needed to get in line on either side of the stage and you would walk up and then we would flash God's score of you on the screen of how, what he thought of your worship. And then you walk up, zero, ah, 
and you got to walk through the back of the stage. You can't even walk out the doors. Zero's out, back of the stage. Minus one. And then they play back a video. God has a video of your worship where you're playing Angry Birds on your phone while everybody's singing. And you're not worshiping at all. And, and you're, not, you're not engaging God at all because, well, because you've become a critic. You've become someone that says, no, I'm going there, and if worship and, and the song and the teaching and church and all of that, all that we encompass as worship, if it doesn't measure up to what I want, the way I want it, I'm going to find a place where it is the way I want it. And then you find yourself always looking for that perfect place that doesn't exist. Because the issue is actually not the churches that gather, whether they gather with a full band, lights, haze, whether they have colored lights, whether they have amplification, or it's just somebody, the worship team didn't show up and they're just playing a CD. What difference does it make? We're singing to the one true God. We're gathering together to remind ourselves that God is God and we are not. Worship is something special that God has given to us through music. When we come together, the worship team, the pastoral team, the teacher, the greeters, everyone in the church, they're not, that God is not, that we're not here to examine them. God is here to examine our hearts. And where do we stand? It's our awesome and holy God giving the grades here, not us. Drawing us into deeper relationship. And even if we did end up getting a zero in our bad attitude for that day, God still loves you and invites you into relationship. You know, you kind of walk out the backstage, oh, I got to walk out the backstage, but what you find there is God waiting for you to say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's have our own little worship session and let's get it right, right here, because I love you. And the more you know of me and the more you think of me and the more you meditate on, the more you draw near to me, I draw near to you. But I'm asking you to consider where your heart is when it comes to, these, to this season of the church life, because... You know, Jesus didn't call us to be consumers of the church, to have a list, if you will, of what is, what, what is it that you're going to give me? What, what is it you're going to do for me? What songs are you going to play for me? I don't like that song. I don't like that voice. I don't, I don't like, I don't like. Man, just lay it on the altar and allow God to do a fresh work in your life. Let me, let me define for you the word worship. The word worship comes to us from two words, worth and sipe. And when you put it together, it was shortened to worth-ship. And literally it means to respect and honor and ascribe worth. To give value. The idea is that we ascribe worth or value to someone or something. In other words, we worship what we deem worthy. You heard people say, oh, he worships money. Or he worships his children. Or he worships his career. And really what you're saying is, is that's what they're consumed with. What they place a high value upon, whether it's the kids or their career. And so when we use that word in the Greek language, and when we use it in the Bible, what it's speaking to us in our worship to God, we worship Him for no other reason than He's worth it and worthy of it. And we don't sing songs for what we can get out of it, although we do get much. But because it makes us, or nor because it makes us feel good, we worship God because He's worthy. It's, it's the sum and substance of our valuing God. And I find that many guys and many gals that are tripped up with the music get tripped up in other areas of their lives. Do you know that singing together as believers has been a part 
of the life of the followers of God from almost the beginning. It's what God ordained. It breaks down barriers. I've had the privilege of being in worship services in places where I didn't know the language. For example, we were just in the Ukraine with Pastor Byron and Emily, and Emily led worship. She sang all the songs. She was the lead worshiper that weekend for the service, and she sang all the songs in Russian, fluently and beautifully. And they gave us some words to help us go along in English, but for me, I just sat there enjoying listening to the church worship in their native tongue. And instead of singing their words, because I didn't know their words, I just sort of hummed along and enjoyed the presence of the Lord in the people of God. And like worship brings people together from different languages, different tribes, different tongues, different nations. Music is something that brings us together and binds us together. And it's God's will that we use music in order to break down barriers in our hearts and bring us to a place of worship. It is the very highest activity that we'll ever attain to in life. There is nothing greater than a worship relationship with God. Jot it down in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. And I like the old King James version on this because in the old King James it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For thy pleasure. You and I were created for God's pleasure. We've got it all flipped around. We, we show up, we wake up in the morning, and we think of our pleasure. We think what's going to make us feel good, what's going to be good for us. And, and part of the weakness of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth today is it's become so inward focused. What do you have for me? I'll tell you what I have for you. I have an exhortation to share the gospel and love people. That's what I have for you. That's what the Bible says. And how do you get a heart for people? You begin to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you love your neighbors, yourself. His very love flowing through you as you choose to abide in him. And that place of abiding is a place of worship and adoration and joy and appreciation. When a person follows God, you come to admire him and you get to know him deeper and you begin to love God more. And it grows with each day. And it's from that growing love that worship flows. Actually, as we're talking about worship and song, actually everything we do in work and play throughout the day should be done in worship to God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative, or in the New King James, as unto the Lord. Whatever we do, we do unto the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When we're at work, when we're on the road, when we're changing a diaper, when we're homeschooling, we're teaching a class, anything is to be done in worship and honor toward God. It's not our boss we're trying to impress. We serve the Lord. It's his privilege and, pre and, and his, it's our privilege, but his pleasure to place us where we are in this world. And he has a purpose. And part of our response is to do it in a worshipful way. But unfortunately, we live among a generation that worships its work, works at its play, and plays at its worship. And thus we are weak that's the English word. The Greek word for worship is the word proskuneo. 
If you might want to circle that, you can circle it anywhere near worship being used in verse 21. Proskuneo, it means to kiss the hand or to kiss toward. You might get the picture of kissing a loved one. It's a term of endearment, a term of love, a term of relationship. It means to bow down in obeisance, to, to show humility and, and, and express humility as one who recognizes the order of things. So when you know you, you see God, you go, man, I am not God. You are worthy of my praise. And the idea of bowing and, and giving forth that worthy attention and surrender to the one that you're bowing to. That's why you don't worship man. That's why you don't worship a statue. It has no greater value than you, but God, he's your creator. And automatically, he engenders in us worship. You know, it's easy to walk into a room like this and something that we call worship service and really ask why. Why do we do what we do? Why the songs and why these songs? If I can worship in anything and I can worship anywhere, then why is it that we spend so much time singing? I'll just skip the songs and I'll come for the Bible study. Why are we doing this anyway? Well, you even begin to come on a service, although today wouldn't be one of those services, but you might be able to sort of predict the order of service. Sometimes you might wonder, why do we switch things up just so you can't predict the way things are going to be? And yeah, you might walk in a little late. You go, well, honey, we, uh, I guess they said uh, they're going to worship last. What are we going to do? I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to stick around and sing with us. We did it just for you. We usually sing together. And we enjoy one another. And we enjoy worshiping God together. But things become predictable in a church service. There's the opening prayer, then a couple songs, then sometimes we used to have a psalm reading, and then, you know, we got a couple more songs, and some Bible study, and then another song, and then I go get my kids, and I go home. And so I'll just rearrange my, my life around how I think things are going to go. Instead of coming into a room like this expectant for God to speak to me. And you know, the longer you gather together, the longer you're in a church, the longer you're in a particular church, this sense of regularity just tends to overtake you. And the wonder of God is lost. And the, the wonder of what God wants to do is lost. I, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary, you know, as a church, so we've been going back and looking at a lot of pictures. And some of those pictures, they immediately spark thoughts of when we, like for example, I've been looking at a lot of pictures when we gathered in this school. And I literally remember times in the school when we would set the, the chairs up and we'd set the children's meetings up and we'd get done early and we would stand back at the windows on the back of that room where we were meeting where there was a parking lot back there just looking for a new person that would come to church. We would be so excited when a new car showed up or a new family showed up and we would be so excited that God would entrust another family to us. We'd be so excited that somebody responded, a neighbor came. We'd be so excited that, man, that we're gonna have to put up five more chairs next week. This is gonna be awesome. We're not gonna have 50 chairs, we're gonna have 55 chairs. This is great. And we were so excited. And then something happened. Like it would be predictable as you continue on. And, and so then we, I, we got to the point in the school where we put every single chair we could possibly find in that whole property in that room. And maybe we put a little too many chairs in there, but we did what we did. There was no more room for chairs. And then we added another service. Then we added another service. And you know, the excitement wasn't, we weren't so excited anymore. I didn't see people looking out the back window anymore. 
Because they would look at the room and go, well, you know, we got enough people now. And there's, I don't know what they were thinking exactly, but there wasn't that excitement anymore about God reaching a person. Just a person. And over time, then we move, then we move into a facility like this. And there's no setup and takedown anymore. And it's like, well, you know, so I go to church. There's a permanent facility there. We have a key to it so we can do things and we can do whatever we want with it. We can come anytime. And so you just says, go to church, honey. Let's just go to church. And there's no wonder anymore. Where do we get the wonder back as we surrender in song? Because, you know, it's, it's not everybody likes to sing. <laughs> and not everybody has the singing voice, if there is such a thing. I'm not saying who or not. I mean, I don't, I'm not the judge of that. I could say for myself, I don't have the prettiest voice. Uh, some of you have shared that with me as I've sat behind you. Like, you turn around, who's that? Oh, it's Ed. <laughs> Never mind. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's okay. I, I sing with what God's given me. And long ago, gotten over the sense of that, you know, self-thought, like, what, do you, what are people going to think? I, I don't, I'm not singing for you. And I'm not singing to you. So whatever you think, you've missed it. You're not singing to me. I'm not singing to you. We're together singing to the Lord. Open up now to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Music is powerful. Nebuchadnezzar knew that thousands of years ago. He used it to move the people toward idolatry. He knew how powerful music was. But, you know, he didn't invent it. God did. God invented music. It's something that God gave to us as a gift. And notice in Hebrews chapter 13, this is a place that we'll get in our regular verse-by-verse study of Hebrews here soon enough. But notice with me in verse 15, in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual, what does your Bible say? Sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise to God proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Have you ever considered your singing as a sacrifice unto the Lord? Because let's just think, you go, I don't want to sing, I'm not going to sing, I won't sing, I'm not going to sing. Okay, so now it becomes a sacrifice. Giving unto the Lord something that will be painful for you. Something that will cost you something. That's what sacrifice, it costs you something. And so worship cannot just be our enjoyment of it, but now we can enter into a deeper area of singing and worship through song that's going to cost us something. And notice what it's tied to. Not only is it going to cost you something in song, but then it's going to move you to do good, to bless people. It's going to put you in the frame of reference of who God is in your life. It gets your mind off of your circumstances. Worship is not just songs. It's not just songs. It's the beginning. There's doing good and sharing. These are such sacrifices. But it's also the offering of our lips. In Psalm chapter 9, verse, 9, verse 1, it says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. So I'm praising you with all my heart and the natural response, I'm going to tell people all the great things you've done. I'm going to tell you all the wonderful things. I'll be filled with joy because of you. I'll sing praises to your name, O Most High. When we come together, it's not just for songs. It's, it's for God to stir up in us a sacrificial service of our lives. 
as you sing to him and for him and about him, singing and worship and humming and joyful noise, all of it becomes a process of sacrifice unto the Lord. And remember this, worship isn't something you can create and work up. True worship is always a response to God. It comes in response. Now, I have to say, if you don't feel like responding to God and you come in here with all kind of bad attitude, I'm glad you're here with your bad attitude. And here's how you deal with your bad attitude. Begin to sing. Just begin to sing. You say, well, Ed, my heart's wrong. Start to sing. Well, I don't really want to be here. Start to sing. I don't like the song. Stop it. Start to sing. And what you'll find is you surrender yourself to the Lord that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you. And it won't be, you won't be singing just because you have to. You're going to be joining in with the saints of old. You're going to be joining with the angels around the throne room. And you're going to find yourself catapulted. Any kind of song, whether you have a preference for old hymns or you like the new contemporary things. But you know the songs you like the most? Do you want to know the songs you like the most? The ones that you learned as a new believer. Those are the ones you like the most. Those are the ones you remember the most. Those are the ones that have milestones in your life. The ones where you were, as a new believer, you were really receptive to anything new. As a new believer, you were pressing in. As a new believer, you're that, that place as a new believer is the place that Jesus calls you back to when you've left your first love. And if you look at the songs and the style that you like the most, most likely, in a general sense, the songs you like the most are the ones, the, the, the worship songs that you like the most are the ones that either you were raised on or that you were raised on as a new believer. And they're just always going to be special to you. They're always going to be wonderful to you. They're, they're always just going to speak to your heart. And the, the issue, the real angst that comes up is that, you know what? We don't sing those songs anymore. Why don't we sing those songs anymore? Well, because you got saved 30 years ago and they have new songs now. There's new songs now. And one of the things that we've always had here at Calvary, and I believe it's probably still up on our website and in our welcome packs, is when you come to Calvary here, Calvary Church, we have contemporary worship. Contemporary worship. Contemporary worship means the worship of the day. The worship that God's doing in the moment. It's not exclusive. We, have, we bring in a lot of old songs. Pastor Ian and the team is very knowledgeable on, on songs that date back even hundreds of years but contemporary worship is contemporary. It's now. I mean, it's, it's Pastor Ian go, hey, I heard this song last week. I want to introduce it to you. And you're like, where did that come from? It came out last week. Nobody knows where. I don't know where he finds all his songs. But there's some place where he's like, here's a new song, Ian. Great. Teach it to us. And, and so the, the reality of some of the angst about songs and choices, you, you can like new songs and still like the old songs. You can do both. It doesn't have to be either or. In our Western culture, we've been kind of ingrained. It's either or, either or, either or. But do you know that in Eastern culture, in the day of Jesus, it wasn't either or, it was and. We can do both. We can sing a hymn, and then it can, we can sing a hymn as it was written, and then it kind of moves in, you know how they do medleys and things, and kind of comes into something contemporary, and then a brother just added some new thing that's really cool, and you can do both. And you can say, man, I love the days when I was a new believer and I love those songs. I have all the tapes and eight-track tapes of all those songs and I love them. But you know what? I love what God's doing now too because he's still saving people. He's still reaching people. The gospel's still going forward and it's doing something in a fresh way. 
And when we get stuck and we become inward and become critical, you can't be critical and worshipful at the same time. You lose and we lose as a church when you don't engage. in the, Because when you engage with God, he speaks and he leads and he helps and he inspires and he comforts and he heals. And you wonder, man, I've been coming to this church for all this time and I just don't feel any of those things. I'm asking you by faith to begin singing when we sing. And try me on this. Tell me if you don't find yourself at the throne room of God with your eyes closed and you're just like, man, did we end already? Is it already done? Because God is drawing you in through song. And be open to new songs. Be open to a fresh thing that God is doing. Be open to a fresh way of expressing your faith. You don't have to leave behind the songs that really minister to you, that have great meaning to you. Bring them along. Bring them along in your own worship life. But when we come together, it's not just for songs. We come to respond to God. It shouldn't be difficult realizing all that he's done for us. In Psalm 66, verse 3, it says, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So you ready? Let's do that together. We're going to obey Psalm 63, verse 3. And I'm going to say, say to God, how awesome are your deeds? And then repeat it after me. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds? So you just obeyed the Psalms. How awesome are your deeds, God? All the great things you have done. Remember when we learned this week about praying and we're in a difficult circumstance? We're, we're seeking God in prayer. Not, not that our circumstance is good. Not that we like where we're at. Not that we're really happy with the difficulty in our life. We're not praying and singing because our circumstances are good. We're praying and singing because God is good. And he's greater than the circumstance. He's bigger than the circumstance. He, he, has, he is able to take even for a moment, our eyes off of the difficulty and we just get a glimpse of heaven in this little room in the middle of Aurora, Colorado that used to be a pile of dirt with weeds all over this place. God can do that in your home and in your car. He can do that in your cubicle. He can do that in your heart. He wants to meet you. He invites you to himself and simply says, respond to me. Respond, oh, Ed, but, but Ed, it's so hard. God says, respond to me. But it's so difficult. Respond to me. Draw near to me by faith. Believe my word, God says. Because it's a response, it doesn't have to be worked up. Because worship is a response, it doesn't need to be stirred up. You, you don't need to get people in the mood for worship. You don't have to necessarily stir up a feeling, although it does involve feelings. It's the, what Jesus is looking for is worship in spirit. That's your connection with God in truth, the one true God. You're not worshiping the false God. You go, wait a minute, it doesn't worship involve feelings? It does. Yes, it does. Have you ever cried during a worship song? It's like, oh man, Lord, you're so good. Have you ever laughed during a worship song? You're just like, oh man, this is amazing. You're so good to me. Have you ever found yourself weeping or laughing or filled with joy or encouraged? Absolutely involves, worship involves feelings, but worship is a natural response of faith and trust in who God says he is. There are times when we don't feel like being around people, where we're not very thankful, our emotions are down, we need to worship. 
There are times when we don't know what to do and we don't know what God's going to do and we're not sure what the future holds. We need to worship. There are times when we're overwhelmed by the circumstances and the situations of life. We need to choose to worship. Of all the dials on your, on your radio or however you listen to music, your MP3s, you've got to have a playlist of worship. You've got to develop a playlist of worship. So you just have a few songs to go to. You know, you get in the car and, and you just know it's going to be difficult and teaching isn't going to be it. You just need to find yourself in heaven before you turn on Grace FM, the only station on all of your presets of your radio. <laughs> We're out in your cars checking right now. They will. If they weren't when you came, they're going to be by the time you leave. You've got to have, have that place where music, you allow God to use music in your life to draw you near. That call to worship is a call to respond to God. And don't we need that on a daily basis? It's a call to worship. It's not a time filler in our church. It's an opportunity to train you to respond to the goodness of God, how God has worked in your life, how he's been faithful to you all week. It's, it's our turn to respond because love always demands action. And if we love someone, we share that love and we respond. And when we love God, we respond through obedience. The worship that God accepts is the worship that God prescribes. So we learn that, number one, it needs to be spiritual. It's to be in spirit and truth. Why? Because God is spirit. That's how you connect to God. We don't connect to God merely into intellect. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So all of you that have sought to reach God and reach a place of understanding God just through the intellect, you've missed it because God relates to you spiritually. He bypasses the intellect. He doesn't dismiss the intellect, but it doesn't come first. What comes first is a spiritual connection. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit. We are spiritual beings. And so our relationship to God is spiritual. And so my worship toward him is to be heavenly and spiritual and upward and not fleshly and earthly because worship's not about me. It's about him. And worship involves the fruit of the spirit. Worship involves the ingredients of love. Worship involves the surrender of my will, but it also should be truthful. Worship should be truthful. It's a matter of, when we sing to him, it's a matter of who he is and who we are. He is God, he is holy, just, and pure, and we are not. But through our worship, he's working in us great change. He's dedicated. He is dedicated and we are separated. He has dedicated himself in the work of the Spirit to separate us unto holiness to develop in us a fear of God, a healthy respect. It's so much more than our style and preferences, although we do have style and preferences. And it's okay to have style and preferences. That's how God made you. But worship is so much more than that. And you don't want to just end there with your style and preferences. I remember for the first time learning about the music that the Calvary Chapel that I was in was playing. I wasn't when I was an unbeliever, I was into more hardcore rock and met heavy metal and that kind of stuff. And, and when I came into the church setting, the guy was leading worship on a piano. And the song and the, you know, I don't know all that stuff about music very well, but I could tell the difference between heavy metal and a piano. <laughs> and, and while I didn't understand what all that was doing, but when I was born again, uh, I worked with a guy named Mark. Uh, he, was, he would always relieve me. And... Uh, from I would when I go off shift he'd come on 
And I told him, you know, he saw me reading the Bible or something. Hey, what happened? I went to this Calvary chapel. I go, I'm born again, man. Are you born again? I'm born again. Well, why didn't you ever tell me the gospel? That that's a different discussion <laughs> altogether. So he's going to another Calvary chapel on the other side of town. I was going to the one by my house. And he says, oh, okay, okay, I just, I'm going to bring you a gift. And, and he brought me a CD of praise number three or something. And said, this is the music that, this is Christian music right here, man. This is it. And I remember putting it in the CD player, and it was harps and flutes. And, and I'm just like, man, if this is Christian music, I don't think I could be a Christian. I can't do that. But if you scroll through my phone today in my, in my iTunes, you'll find every single praise worship album on there. Because I've, come, I've adjusted my thinking to these inspirational songs. And sometimes I'm in such a situation where those are the songs I need to hear. I need lower tempo. I, I need simpler melodies, choruses. And there's this, like, there's this times now where those are the go-to, even though at one point I'm thinking, I don't think I can do this. But I changed. God didn't change. I changed. And as I find myself adjusting and open to a work of the Holy Spirit, I find that He just continues to pour into my life. There's new things for me to learn. There's new ways for me to learn to worship. And even if, I never, even if I never adopt that particular music style, I'm very happy for those that do. Use it for the glory of God. Use it in the different neighborhoods, in the different places. Use everything that this world and the devil thinks he owns for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it may not be my style. But believe me, I am, I am behind the people that they're worshiping God with that stuff. So you go, oh, I, I would never listen to that. Nobody asked you to. Just pray for them and say, God, I hope you use that music. And I hope you use that person. I, I hope you use that, 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 that style, that, that dance. You know, there's a friend of mine that's doing, uh, they've taken a group around and they're doing this, um, man, I forget what kind of dance it is, but they're going around with this, I don't know if it's a ska dance or something, but some dance. I mean, they're going around as an outreach. And you know what's happening? People are getting saved. It's like, Ed's not going to be out there dancing, but Ed is going to be cheering them on. I'm like, man, every time I see them post something in some new place they're going, some new club they're going into, some new place where people would never darken the, the doors of a church but they're taking the music to them and they're honoring God in their lives and they're bringing it to in the style that they want, but the words are glorifying God and people are getting saved. How can you not get behind that? How can you not be excited about that? Who are we to stand in judgment of what they're doing? Go, oh, you know, that's not from the Lord. Really? I didn't know you were, from, you were the Lord now. Like, we should get excited about what God's doing in all the different ways. And I hope you do. I hope you're excited about what God's doing, even here. And we have our own little style and our own thing, but God's always stretching us and always changing us. And there's some new song or a new way of looking at the character and nature of God that's stirring us and causing us to really come back to, okay, God, that's an amazing way to look at you. I've never thought of that before. And we were talking about this on a similar talk, topic today, but Pastor Ian and I talk about it a lot. And you know, Pastor Ian's very simple he looks at the lyrics of the song, makes sure they they're biblically accurate, they glorify God, and then he looks to how the tempo and the music would be in a congregational setting. And I have to say, there are times when I'm listening to the way we sing a song here compared to the original version, 
because he adapted it for a congregational song. And I love the versions for congregational song more than I even like the CD version of it. And it's just a beautiful thing for us to come so that we even change our minds. You go, I'm going to be on time for worship. I don't want to miss anything God's doing. I don't want to miss any invitation. I don't want to miss anything that the Lord has for me. As you seek out worship with God and you have that singular focus of spirit and truth, everything else becomes pale in the light of his glory. And then you have open ears and a soft heart for the Bible. You have an opening to say, okay, God, speak to me now. And, you know, we, we labor in prayer and really talk through difficult things in our staff meeting and our pastor's meeting for you to lead you well. And just asking God, what is it? What's the break? What's the resistance? What are we sensing? Asking God to well up in us a desire to worship him in spirit and in truth, to, to passionately holding nothing back. And we pray, but we don't manipulate. We can't make you do anything nor do we want to make you do anything. And so we wait for God to, to move, and we wait for God to minister to you. It, it would be easy, and in some churches this is the way it is, it would be easy for those on the stage to use music to manipulate, to do whatever they need to do to move a crowd. But that's not the ministry that we have here. We, we don't want manipulation. We want spirit-led worship that's in truth that brings you to a sense of worship and awe and adoration of God. And most of the worship team, 99% of the worship team, volunteers their time for their church. All the practice time, all the, all the songs they need to learn, all the practice they do at home, all the different meetings they attend. And it, it, it is another practice today in the church just to hire professional musicians, whether they're believers or not. But we're just not going to do that. I believe anyone on the stage needs to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ and be willing to lead you into the presence. An unbeliever can't take you into the presence of God. They might play a good whatever, you know. They might be able to do whatever they do musically, and they might be able to move us, but that's not from the Lord. I'd rather miss a tune here or a letter there or, you know, miss a word here. and Whatever, whatever it is that we get, I receive as from the Lord because that's his gift to us, the worship team and the worship servants. They're, our, that, they're God's gift to the church. And please never forget that. Thank God for his gifts to his church. Thank God for those that he's given to us. So, God uses music. The devil uses music. You choose who you want to listen to. And I just know God, he uses worship. He invites us. He's looking for us to worship. So as Pastor Ian comes back, uh, we're locking the doors and nobody's leaving. <laughs> so we're just going to end in a meditative time of response, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to speak to us. Now, one of the things that we have here at Calvary is we have communion that's available to any believer here. We call that open communion. And what we mean by that is communion's available to any believer and on our Wednesday night service, it's available up at the stage here. And if you haven't been here before, you actually have the freedom and you're invited to come serve yourself and then go back into your seat during worship, during song, pray over the elements. Remember the bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And the cup represents in symbol the blood that was shed for you. So when you come to the table, it's really you literally coming to the table that's set up up here and you're coming in the sense of grace and understanding God's great work for you. 
And it gets a little crowded and a lot of people, but don't worry about that. You come as the Lord leads you and take of the elements during song. It's a part of worship. When we come together and we listen to a mission update, it's a part of worship. When we sing, it's a part of worship. Bible study, part of worship. Giving, part of worship. Doing good, part of worship. Our whole lives, whatever we do, we're to do in the name of the Lord, as unto the Lord. And in communion is such a sweet part of worship as you, as you picture yourself literally and spiritually. God does something through, through the elements of communion that they, they bring you into a spiritual understanding of an aspect of the grace of God. God may emphasize the blood to you in one time, or he might emphasize the broken body and the beating that Jesus took, or he might remind you of the resurrection power, that death doesn't get the final word. The resurrection of Jesus, he's victorious. He's taken away the sting of death. Death does not get the final word. Hope gets the final word. Jesus has the final word in our lives. And so I want to remind you, as Pastor Ian leads us, that the communion table is available. And and one final thing if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there's no other reason why you're here. There's no other reason why you'd be standing in a church or sitting in a church or listening on the, some Christian radio somewhere, like wondering why you're listening to Christian radio. Well, because God loves you and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that your sins can be forgiven and you could be brought into a right relationship of God, with God, so that you could learn to worship and adore your creator, so, so that you can respond with your life for all that God has done for you. And you can surrender your life and yield to his direction for you, no longer your own. And it's a life of fullness and joy and gladness and purpose and meaning and focus. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to pray with me right now. And you could say something like this, God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I repent and turn away from my sinful past. And I believe that you sent Jesus to live for me, to die for me. And I believe he rose again from the dead. And I dedicate my life to following you, Jesus, from this day forward. Help me, God. Help me with all that I bring and all that I am. And let my life in you have meaning and purpose. And Father, I know anyone that would pray to you, anyone that would call out to you, your word says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so we pray that by faith. Anyone that turned to you today, they shall be saved. That you would change them and radically do a fresh work in their hearts. That we would move forward in all that you have for us. Bless them, Lord, and encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.